today on this episode of the PV Roundup Special Spotlight. And protocol AC stuck out as a very important study because it looked like it was going to influence insurers who are mandating step therapy. Today, Drs. Januzzi and Patel joined the podcast to discuss a cost analysis based on DRCR network protocol AC when treating patients in this PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. Regeneron is pleased to support this educational resource for healthcare professionals who provide retinal care. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the views of Regeneron or its affiliates. Hi, I'm Nico Yanuzzi, and I'm a retinal specialist at the University of Miami Baskin-Palmer Eye Institute. Hello, I'm Nimish Patel. I'm an assistant professor of ophthalmology at Harvard Medical School and a vitreo retinal surgeon at Mass Ioneer and Boston Children's Hospital. I'm very fortunate here today to be speaking with you, Nemo, my prior co-fellow and co-chief. Great to be here, Nico. Today, Nemo, I'd like to talk about the cost of treatment for diabetic macular edema with bevacizumab first step therapy compared with a flibercep monotherapy. Luckily for us, you were the lead author of a paper on this topic back in November. So I have some questions for you related on that study. You bet. Go ahead. First, Nemo, can you touch on what motivated you to undertake this study? What were you looking at and why? Well, we had previously done some cost analyses of other treatments for DME, and protocol AC stuck out as a very important study because it looked like it was going to influence insurers who are mandating step therapy. Now, in that study, they used two arms, bevacizumab first, then a flibercept versus a flibercept monotherapy. And what they found is that at the end, it was about even in terms of visual acuity. And they postulated that there would be a significant cost savings driven by the fact that a flibercept is 26 times more expensive than bevacizumab. And while that I think made sense, we were trying to figure out, well, exactly how much is the cost savings? Is it really 26 times? Uh, and I think it's an important question to answer to help drive those policy changes. So that's the goal of the study, and that's why we set out to figure this out. The other reason that this is important is we need to set a model for future treatments that are in the pipeline, including biosimilars and gene therapy, surgical treatments for DME. How can we compare which treatment is the most effective and most cost-effective? We need to develop a model to study this in general. So these are the goals of the study. Can you briefly take us through the study objectives and design? So we wanted to just look at protocol AC initially to look at the first two years and come up with what is the cost difference there. But then going forward, how do you model this over the lifetime of a patient? So we created a hypothetical model, making some assumptions, seeing how this would be affected by time. We incorporated both the facility and non-facility prices, as well as the OCT imaging, injection, and professional fees across the board. We didn't figure out how many number of treatments were needed per year, but those were assumed, especially for the lifetime model. We also made some assumptions about how many patients would be expected to switch to a flibercept after the end of the study. Can you discuss the study's main outcome measures? So the main outcome, like we said, was the two-year findings, and we saw that the flibercept first group cost 29000 those first two years versus 42000 in the flibercept first group. And this was a saving of approximately 33%. However, this cost savings did decrease non-linearly with time, ending at about 21% at year 17. 
So this was definitely a significant cost savings. However, remember, this is much less than what may have been predicted about 26 times by the medication price alone. Now, the reason for this is that there was a really high percentage of patients switched to bevacizumab, particularly in the first two years, 70%. Out of those 70%, almost 50% were actually switched within the first six months. So by the end of the first year, the majority of patients, even in the bevacizumab first group, were still getting a flibercep. And if you can imagine modeling that over time, that most of the patients are still receiving a flibercept, so there is not as much cost savings as would be intuited by using bevacizumab first step therapy. What were the secondary analyses? So there are other controversies within retina on billing and modeling costs. And one of them is the use of the 25 modifier, which is used to bill exams along with the injection. There are some providers who are using this almost 50 to 80 to 100% of the time, and some who are using it zero. And we wanted to make sure that that variance was not going to affect the outcome. And we did find that it really didn't make a big difference where those using it 100% of the time really only increased the cost by about 5 to 10% in both groups. The other secondary analysis was the switchback analysis. So we made a hypothetical what would happen if those patients who are switched from bevacizumab to aflibercept were then switched back to bevacizumab? Also, in the aflibercept first group, how many patients who were started on aflibercept, if they didn't meet the criteria, could be switched back to bevacizumab? So we tried to figure out, you know, if you could switch the patients back, how would they do in the long run? We found in the two groups, respectively, it was a 15 and 14 per savings in the long run. So switching the patients back to bevacizumab if a flibercept doesn't work is beneficial, but the only thing to note is that is hypothetical, and we actually don't know if those patients would be maintained in the same treatment effect. So are there any study limitations that are important to note? As with any cost analysis study, there are a lot of assumptions that need to be made on the number of injections a year to treat DME. When someone asks you this question, it's really hard to answer. There are some patients who need treatments Every month, there are some patients who need one or two injections a year. We did do a sensitivity analysis and showed that the number of injections a year doesn't necessarily change the percent savings in the long run. And so that was really nice to be able to determine that it's really the switch criteria and the percentage of patients switching into the flibercep group, which affect the costs. So what are the key takeaways from your study? So I think it's clear that step therapy does create some cost benefit, about 33% at two years, 21% over the lifetime of the patient. However, it's much less than we would have thought by protocol AC and also by the difference in medication price. This is really important because as we start to come up with future models for step therapy and step edits, we have to include these cost analyses to help determine is the drawbacks worth the benefit? And some of these drawbacks include increased burden to the healthcare system, the administrative burden, and sometimes delaying patients on treatments that may be most effective for them. So it is definitely a cost savings, but we have to take that in conjunction with the overall picture. Thanks for joining me today, Nemo. This is great work. I know that you and my colleague here, Baskin Palmer, Dr. Smitty, have been doing a lot of these types of studies, and they really do add to our understanding of the important economic considerations with all of our treatments. So this has really been great. Thanks, Nico. 
And that's today's special spotlight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions, please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing, Medical News Roundup, and just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Dr. Inutsi and Patel, and to Kate Rio and Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine. <laughs>